You're listening to Lab Notes, your weekly guide to science and innovation. Hello, I am Marek Inetpanos. And I'm Leo Stevens. Welcome to The Brief, where we cover two topics from science and business. G'day, Mark. What have you got for us today? G'day, Leo. Today I'm going to briefly discuss the Australian Research Council. So in Australia, the majority of research funding is available through two government funding organisations. The Australian Research Council, which focuses on all the sciences, including engineering, social science and the humanities, while the National Health and Medical Research Council focuses on health and medicine. The ARC, or Australian Research Council, which we will discuss today, provides funding in two main areas. Fundamental research, which is mostly for individual researchers and their groups, and also supporting industry-university collaboration. During 2019, according to their latest annual report, they handed out $750 million across 11 funding schemes. That's a lot of research. The evaluation process can take more than six months and with success rates for some programs as low as 10%. So in other words, you're more likely to be rejected than to be funded. And this is, very briefly, the key aspects of the Australian Research Council. So Mark, the ARC has this pool of funding that it makes available to researchers as grants. Where does the fund come from originally? Uh, Australian government. And how is it decided how much the ARC itself gets? That's on a ministerial level. So that's what's done in the annual budget. So the funding levels have been going down because the number of researchers is going up. Although now with COVID, the number of researchers might be going down. Who knows? Because people are losing jobs at universities. Yes, definitely. A a challenging time for the tertiary sector. So, as you mentioned, the success rates on these grants can be quite low. It can be about 10%. Are there certain schemes that are better than others? Or is it pretty much across the board that it's a challenging environment? No, there are some schemes such as the uh, infrastructure grant scheme. So that's for getting equipment. They are generally, the success rates there are a lot higher. And also there are specific schemes for working with industry and they have traditionally had a much higher success rate. Like you can be in a 30 or 40% success rate. This is like the CRCs? No, these are not like CRCs. They're more, CRCs are many, many, many organizations together. Like we've discussed one of them in a previous podcast where you can have about 70 organizations in the equivalent at the ARC, they're usually company to university or maybe two companies in one university. So what are those industry linkage schemes? They are mainly for developing something a, that comes out of research or comes from out the need of the industry where more research is needed. And the main thing the ARC funds in those projects is people. So they might fund postdoctoral researchers and PhD scholarships that can work with the industry and that are jointly funded 
between the industry and the Australian Research Council because that number of 750 million is what the ARC provides. Usually ARC gives out money in particular if industry is involved that has an equivalent amount of funding provided by other sources. And final question, say you're a young researcher just come out of your PhD, what, what are the best prospects for grant funding for, the, for that person? Um, that is a very good question to which I don't really have an answer because obtaining funding is such a random process. What I have heard that some people have said is align yourself with a big scientist, and I don't mean a big scientist in terms of height, I mean like a scientist who has a very established track record and is extremely well known and gets a lot of funding so that you can, because a lot of these these funding applications go on your track record. So if you align yourself with a bigger scientist, scientist in terms of volume and quality, then whoever reviews your funding procedure will first have to look at the enormous volume of work that a big scientist has done, which is expressed the number of pages in your funding applications before they get to a young researcher who, of course, has, has had less opportunity to create an output and a track record. All right. Well, we should move on to the next topic, which is angel investors. So from the world of business and very much in the startup space this time, Um, Virtually all startup businesses require external funding to support the development of their product, to gain customers and to cover business overheads before they're selling enough to to fund it from revenue. So these funds can come from a number of sources, from the founders themselves, from their family and friends, but one of them is angel investors. And angel investors are individuals who are willing and able to allocate tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars to invest in early stage businesses. Angel investors will almost always take an equity stake in that business, which is to say that they take partial ownership as opposed to providing their funding as a loan. Angel investors take a significant risk with their money. They're often one of the first people to invest in the business outside the founders themselves, and they know that most of the companies they support will fail and never provide a return on that investment. But angel investors are not philanthropists. They are looking for a return, and they will seek to select and fund companies they believe will grow into profitable businesses that can repay their investment many times over. And that's the core principles of an angel investor. It's great. I've always wondered about the word angel. Angel to me when I think I have these, I get this warm fuzzy feeling about an angel that is just there to benefit other people. I think in the landscape of startup funding they they might be i guess you know your your parents or your siblings family are probably the closest thing you'll get to a true angel investor where they'll give the money and never really expect anything back but angel investors are in businesses at a very early stage they tend to build very personal relationships with the founders they tend to be there as a guide as a mentor as a support um so although it's not truly angelic it's not truly benevolent what they are doing um of all of the people in the investment landscape, they're probably the ones that most fit that bill. Absolutely. So you mentioned they take risk, and they take a lot of risk. How do they assess the level of risk, and how is the level of risk related to the amount of funding that they provide? So angel investors 
again, are individuals, um, and they are probably less likely to have a rigorous process of risk analysis that a venture capital firm or, or a bigger, more institutional investor would have. They're generally working off gut feel. They will speak to the founders. They will develop a sense of whether they think those individuals are special, are capable, are able to achieve what their business is setting out to do. And they'll also go through and try to understand that business's plan, their partners, the, the risks of the specific technology of that business. They will go through to a process that's called due diligence, basically assessing the company and what it's proposing to do and trying to find out how risky it is through that process. But it's not based on specific metrics. It's not. There's not a formula for it. It really is quite down to that individual investor's intuition and their understanding of the, the field. And that's why a lot of angel investors try to only focus on making investments in areas they understand, technologies they understand, businesses they understand, because they're able to then work off their experience. Whereas if they're in a completely foreign field, well, they're likely to make those kind of mistakes where they don't understand the risks they're getting into. And one last uh, quick question. What do they typically expect in return and how do they assess what to expect in return? So there's a number of ways investments can be structured, but the short answer is they expect equity. Uh, angel investor will expect to become a partial owner of the business. Um, in terms of how much of the business they own, or essentially another way of putting that is the valuation of the business at that time, it's based on how developed the technology is, how risky they feel the business is, and the prospective size of the market once the business does succeed. So a business that's very risky but is also targeting a you know, multi-trillion dollar worldwide market might demand a high valuation even if it is unlikely to succeed. Conversely, a business that's only going to sell to three customers and make $30 might only be worth $1 even if it's very, very likely to succeed. So uh, it, it's it's based on all of those factors and it's a it's a bit of a dark art to, to determine what the exact valuation of a business should be. Thank you, Leo. That's uh, all we have time for this week. Uh, make sure to tune in again uh, next time and catch you next week. All right. See you then.